Welcome to the Flying Baton, the magical land of beginning band. Coming to you from the beautiful Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, your host, Charlie Nesmith. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Flying Baton. Today, we have two absolute legends with us today, Aris Golden and Tiffany Hitz, and we're going to talk about conducting honor bands. I saw that this topic was recently requested on the Facebook uh, Middle School Band Directors page, and I forget who did it. Otherwise, I would shout you out. So thank you for suggesting this topic, and I'm really excited to dive in today. Before we get to our guests, you know what time it is. This week's pick is The Machine Awakes by Stephen Bryant. Dr. Golden actually conducted the premiere of this piece, and it has now since become a standard in our repertoire, so I thought it would be really fitting to feature this for our pick of the week. Stephen Bryant has said that writing for beginning band is extremely difficult as a composer. He has quite a humorous take on it, and I'll link that in the show notes. But in short, he mentions that it's difficult to write for young band with all the limitations in instrumentation, range, and even the stamina of the players. He addresses these difficulties in The Machine Awakes through a couple different methods. First of all, there's a supplemental electronic track that allows the composer to access a sonic palette that is typically unavailable to win band, let alone beginning band. Secondly, there's a variety of parts in varying difficulties, so you can really custom tailor the difficulty to your specific group. The electronic track is triggered from either a phone, tablet, or computer using a $1 app. You need quite a powerful speaker system, though, because the electronics are supposed to match the volume of your ensemble. One can certainly get Terminator vibes from this work. Uh, it is about a machine that is waking up and dealing with obtaining sentience for the first time. It has this really epic, long, intense buildup. Uh, the piece is just so metal. I absolutely, absolutely love it. Um, but due to the length, I'm only going to play a short clip of it instead of the whole thing like I normally do. Um, but please do check out the show notes and listen to it in its entirety. Um, it's just a really rocking piece. The kids love it every time we do this piece. They absolutely love it. The audience loves it. It's just such a fantastic work for band. So here's a short clip. like to listen to this piece in its entirety or purchase it check out the show notes at theflyingbaton.com 
Dr. Aris Golden is the Assistant Director of Bands and the Associate Director of the Spartan Marching Band at Michigan State University. Dr. Golden teaches courses in conducting, marching band techniques, and conducts the Spartan Youth Wind Symphony. Prior to her collegiate appointments, Dr. Golden had a distinguished 18-year teaching career in the public schools of North Carolina. She maintains an active schedule with engagements such as guest conducting, clinician, and adjudicator. She also serves on the board of directors for the National Band Association. Tiffany Hitz is the director of bands at Rachel Carson Middle School in Fairfax County, Virginia. As a member of the Virginia Music Educators Association, she is currently on the state's new music grading committee and conference registration staff. She is also a member of the Women Band Directors International and has been published in their official journal, Woman Conductor. Mrs. Hitz currently serves as the Virginia State Chair of the National Band Association. All right, everybody, we're here with two absolute legends in the band community, Aris Golden and Tiffany Hitz. How are you guys doing today? I think we're good. <laughs> we're doing all right. <laughs> Tiffany's laughing right now at that introduction. I kind of am too, so. Aris is making me laugh. I am not <laughs> making you laugh. Here we go. All right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Well, let's go ahead and get started. We're talking specifically about honor bands today. Um, so could you each tell us how you got into conducting honor bands and what your first experience was like? Well, uh, for me, my first experience with honor bands was actually as a kid in honor bands. And I always loved doing them. I, I guess I'm a little twisted in that I loved the, like the audition process and the getting prepared and, and learning what I needed to learn and then going in and trying to do my best and you know let the chips fall where they may. But I just always loved going every year to all district band because we didn't do all county band where I was from. And just being with the other people who weren't from my school, as well as being with the people who were from my school and just like learning music with a new conductor. It was always fun for me. So, you know, it was very exciting for me the very first time someone said, hey, we would like for you to come work with our kids for this all county or all district event, which my immediate reaction was like, are you sure? Like, like the very first one, it's kind of like, really? Sure, I'll do that. <laughs> you know, and just trying to really, I guess I still try to today create a similar experience for kids I'm working with. Because it's just, it's just, there's nothing else that's really like it. And nothing, you can't really do anything else to recreate that setting. So it's just fun to go into the setting with kids and just try to, again, recreate the feeling that I used to have when I was a kid in those honor bands. Yeah, I'd say too, like it is, you can't, it's so different. It's different than actually teaching. It's different than the day-to-day. It's it's a drive-by. It's just so fast. And um, when I think about the first opportunities I had to guest conduct, um, it was before I was ready. I mean, I know the the very first experiences I had, um, I had no idea. Um, It's a very, I feel like it's a specialized thing. It's a different aspect of day-to-day teaching. And the more you do it, the more you practice teaching in that setting, the better you get at it. Um, so I definitely, and there's also other factors, right? I mean, it's it's not a linear progression. Like sometimes something doesn't go as well as you would have hoped or expected based on your experiences. But, you know, you just, you hope to do your best job. But I definitely just dove in head first and luckily had people that said, let's give you this chance. I mean, I think the first time that I guess conducted I even at that point it was a, a middle school band and I had had a few years of teaching experience of like an elementary to high school and I had gone to grad school but it was a middle school um, all county band and I was teaching elementary band at that time and I mean I was way out of my element 
but I loved the same things ours was talking about. I loved the energy from it. I loved being part of those groups. So I, I kind of had that, um, that momentum, but I loved the energy and, and I like the, I like having that feeling of, I have a finite amount of time and I have so much that I need to learn about them and they need to learn about me. And we have so many goals and let's just go. I like that pace. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, someone had posted on Facebook uh, last week, I think, on one of the band director groups. They asked, how does somebody get into conducting honor bands? Like, I think, like, there's a lot of people that want to do it, but they don't know how to, like, get their name out there. Um, I know several of my friends that conduct a lot. You know, they had a group present at VMEA, for example, and that kind of, like, launched them in, into that career path. So what would you guys say if someone, you know, if that's something they wanted to do, what are ways that they can kind of get themselves out there, if that makes sense? I mean, I think letting your friends know that you're interested, <laughs> you know, letting people know that that is something that you're interested in. And um, until you know, build up that experience and build up your chops in that um, in that way as much as you can by offering to go to other schools, offering for your colleagues, like, can I come to a clinic with your group and setting some goals and, and just to get used to that and have more people see you work. I mean, I definitely, I think it comes from, yeah, if you have a group present or perform somewhere, then I, you get to be on people's radar. But I think sometimes people don't necessarily know that maybe you'd be interested in doing that. Hmm. Um, and then, you know, getting practice at it as much as you can. Well, and agreed. And I think people, to a point, I think people have to perceive that you're good at what you what you do. Like through all of that, people have to perceive, oh, this person like knows how to teach X, Y, Z. And then I think, I know within my district in North Carolina, when I was teaching there, it's like, okay, well, this person's band sounds really great. Or this person does this, that we would like to see how they do this. And that a lot of the time, that's why people will ask somebody to come in and do an honor band because it's like, Oh, well, how do you do that? Well, let's see. Um, and I think that perception goes a long way, but I also think that what Tiff described is also abundantly true, you know, because people talk to other people. We just need to admit that about the profession. That's how this works. <laughs> people talk to other people. It's like, oh, yeah, this person's great at this or great at that or whatever. We should have this person do this. And then it, it goes from there. I think I think the thing not to do is to try to force your way into it. Yeah. Like, don't be that person who will post on your Facebook wall hey, I'm available on these dates during the fall. I'd love to come judge your competition. Because that makes people go, mm, maybe not. So it's like, I, I, because that can be sometimes perceived as a little bit arrogant or a little bit pushy, you know, having watched people's reactions throughout the years, you know. So I just think it's like, like do the work that you need to do, be good at what you do. Other people perceive that and then it kind of builds from there. It's true. But I do, I, and and I do think, like we met at UNCG at summer music camp and that's a week long camp and well, not even a week, it's shy a week. And at the end of the week, you perform a concert. And I think that was an opportunity that helped me, you know, it's, it, it takes what you do in school and it compressed it. And I think that helped me kind of get on the path to be able to feel confident that in a day and a half or two and a half days or whatever the honor band event is that I'm going to be able to 
work with those kids and help them get to a product at the end of that time. Um, but I think it's similar. Like I, I, I have been very fortunate that I've gotten to spend a lot of time in North Carolina out of the camp, out of people, yep. you know, seeing me work even just at the camp. Um, but you do have to, yeah, it, you can't just say, I want to do this. You've got to practice it. Mm. It's cause it is different. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about literature selection for a second and specifically, how do you handle not knowing the capabilities of the group that you're about to conduct? Um, cause I know at least in Virginia, there's, there's a wide range of support for music education. Um, well, even just population density, like there's some districts in Virginia that have more people audition for district band than other districts have people that live in their district, you know, like there's just, there's just a huge range in Virginia, at least. Um, so when you're invited to play with a group, do you do like some reconnaissance, like on, on what you think they might be able to handle? Do you just show up with a bunch of different difficulty levels and see how it goes? Like, what's your approach to programming? Yes. Um, all the, <laughs> I mean, everything you said, right. Um, I, I think to begin with, it is your responsibility to find out about the situation that you're going into. It depends on difficulty level. It depends on instrumentation. It depends on how much time you have to rehearse. It depends on the prep ahead of time. Some districts send out music ahead of time and some it's a sight reading ensemble. So you need to find out that information, but I also rely on the hosts to share that information. I think when you take on that responsibility to be a host, that's part of it. You need to send programs. And if you have recordings that you can share, and then that host needs to also share, you know, hey, these were the programs, but this, maybe these worked a little more, a little, a little, these were a little more successful, hmm. or these pieces didn't work as well um, for whatever reason. Like we're kind of counting on, everyone wants a successful experience for those students. It's all about the students. So we're counting and relying on the teachers in that district to help. And then, you know, and then we put together programs. I, I say we, I think anybody that guest conducts, like you put together programs that, you know, you, you have, you kind of run the gamut of difficulty and Hey, if this, like you kind of can start with a piece and I'm really hoping to do this. And if this goes well, I'm headed this way. And if this doesn't go as well, I'm headed this way. So you bring a variety of, of pieces um, to be able to do that. And then, you know, sharing potential programs with the directors, with the teachers. And then uh, the one thing I will say that I wish people did more of is checking with all the teachers in the district. Like, here's my program and checking with everyone, because if five, if five schools have just done one of the pieces, mm. you know, that might be the kid's favorite piece, but if that's like the piece I was hoping, and now I find out like 50% of the band just played it, I might, you know, I might've chosen something different, but I think it's, it, it's a partnership for sure. Mm. Well, and to, you know, just to, to agree with you, um, the, the rep list from the, the prior year, prior, prior years clinicians are key. Like the more of those that you can be provided to see like how things have gone in years past and then check in to see what worked, what didn't. Fantastic. I know for me, if I'm going, say for example, if I'm going to North Carolina and I'm doing a band in my old district, doing one of the high school bands, I already know what I'm going to play. So I'm putting five pieces in that folder and we're going to play five pieces. Whereas if I'm going to do a middle school band somewhere that I've never been, they may give you between five or seven pieces to put in the folder. I'm going to put all seven 
And there are certain pieces like we are going to die on this hill. We're doing this piece. <laughs> and there are other pieces I'll have two of kind of the same flavor. And I'll go like depending on how piece A goes, like she was talking about, I may pick my B piece from that grouping of two because we need more time to work on piece A. So it's like typically if I'm programming, it's like the first piece, we're going to do the piece because I really wanted to do that. And I don't have a middle school band on a daily basis anymore. And we're going to do the closer because I really don't have a middle school band. I really want to do this piece. And then the middle's kind of flexible, but it's, 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 it's so key that very first piece to me that you work with the students on after you do the fundamentals warmups, especially for middle school, that tells you all you need to know. Like there's always a piece in the folder that I'm like, I'll say to her, it's like test piece. Yeah. And she's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I see you. And she fusses at me because it's like, I was going to put that piece in my folder. It's like, you should move faster next time. This is what happens if we do it in the same, like the same yes. event. Like we're fighting over folder <laughs> contents. Like, no, I want it cycling this time. Well, we no. talk about literature a lot. We end up liking a lot of the same pieces. Yeah, yeah we travel with cyclone probably. <laughs> We love yes. you, Mike Orr. We travel with Cyclone more than we Charlie travel. knows this. I did district band in his district this year, and that was the piece. Yep, yep. <laughs> we did our virtual production of Cyclone. It's very fun. Yes. That's because that piece literally teaches and reinforces almost everything that a middle school band director would ever want to teach and reinforce. And it's in a stinky key, so the kids have to work on that. <laughs> yeah. And what, what yes. I really like about what I really like about Mike's writing is he has decades of experience teaching middle school band, so he knows exactly where they should be pedagogically and where to push them next. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, like in some places, cyclones in grade three, and I'm like, why, why? This is like the perfect seventh grade piece. Like they're in the midst More range. Of- There's some range. It's a, it's not that it's okay. Fine. There's a little range, but it's not that much. (laughs) So like, I mean, it's like that thing that seventh graders just need to bring all the puzzle pieces together. And it's Mm. like programmatic and you can make up a story and they're like, Oh, things blow up here. And the cow just flew by. It's it's a great teaching piece. Okay. I'll stop now. Sorry. (laughs) I love that piece. (laughs) Well, I think this this hints at a, a more broader philosophical question, which is, what do you think the purpose of honor bands is? Or at least for you, what do you think that the purpose of the ensemble is? Well, I mean, it has the word honor, you know, for me. So it's like, it, it's, it's, and I always talk to the kids about this. It's like, you know, I'm really honored to be here with you. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to be yeah. participating in this with you because this is the payoff for your hard work and your, the time that you've put in to like playing your instrument and being a musician. And this is just great. So I'm honored to be here. And then of course, like, let's get to work. Like, like within like a five second span, like let's go boom. Uh, But it really is. And a lot of the kids, I don't think they get that till they get there. Like they understand that they auditioned for something and they understand that it's an honor band. They don't give this an honor band until they're like, whoa, I'm surrounded by all these people from all these different places. And they brought in this person to work with us. So it's, it's, I think to a point we have to help them understand like what it really truly is. Like the event is about the music and the music that we're playing with them, but it's also about honoring them as young musicians and honoring their effort and their work and all that they put into it. Cause it's not easy. If you're in the top band, for example, in a district in Fairfax County, you've put in some work to get to that place. So we just kind of have to help them understand. It's like, this is a big deal. All y'all it's a big deal. Yeah, and there's different challenges, I think, for different members of the group. Um, You know, for some, it might be 
the only band they've played in so far that has ideal instrumentation. Mm -hmm. And it's that, you know, you've worked so hard to learn your instruments. So now you're ready for this. And that challenge of in a weekend, trying to, to fit your sound into sounds that you maybe have never played with before. Um, I think it's, it's, there's part of that honor too. It's, it's something that you, you work hard and you've earned this opportunity because you're ready for it. You know, you're ready to, to put your skills to the test and that challenge of, I love the sight reading aspect of, of honor band, you know, that challenge of putting it all together for all of us. It's, it's adrenaline. It's exciting. <laughs> well, it was really funny back when I was a kid, I was in the Southeast district of North Carolina. So at the coast, and we would always go to Fayetteville and we'd audition at Cape Fear High School and we'd go, it was like a big deal. We'd load up, we'd go. This is like before we had, it was like horse-drawn carriages or whatever, whatever. But uh, like literally we'd all audition and we'd go back to the gym and we'd sit there until all the audition results were done. And then they would call out the band person by person. You could go down and get your folder. And like, it was like the most intense thing, but it's like, that felt like such a big deal. So I tried to make it a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, um, both for county, district and state, they would announce the results before you left. And nowadays, like our district might take six days to get back to the kids. And I'm like, ah, just I feel like that is a little anticlimactic for them. Like 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 they should know, you know, we should have this figured out (laughs) like so they can know. I think that that waiting period is is excruciating for some of those kids. (laughs) Some of them, I feel like, forget that they did it. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because their their lives are so immediate now. Like back yeah. in my day, we like we were used to waiting for everything. Mm-hmm. Like I'm old, we're used to waiting for all the things. But it's like they get everything like this now. So it's like oh, oh, I've slept since then. I've gone on to like two or three other things. Like I broke up with my boyfriend or girlfriend, and now I found somebody. I mean, it's just <laughs> like it just gets lost in the mix. So Charlie, I think you're exactly right. Like a little immediacy never hurt anybody. Tiffany, how does your district handle that? Um, well, it, I I think I need to speak like kind of pre pandemic, I guess, because, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of things are different this year. We did some high school additions, but it was all virtual and that was a little bit different, but typically the auditions happen. We, they always happen at McLean high school. Uh, Chris Weiss does an incredible job and Deidre Denson there. They do an incredible job of, of hosting annually. Um, and it's, it is a system. It is amazing. But um, I have actually uh, been working in the tabulation room for the mat- the last many years. And as the as the score sheets come in, um, paper score sheets, although they did have some people using iPad, um, iPads last time and to to just see what that was like, see if we got less errors and things like that. Um, but the paper sheets come in and um, and we put those into the computer. And then um, the other person, like they they check those scores. And so we're kind of in this constant flow of, of checking and double checking with the idea that at the end of that weekend, I think typically um, that night we have a sense of un- unofficial results and then Chris and others check over them on Sunday. And I feel like typically at the end of that weekend, we're greeted with here are the unofficial results. Um, But then it's for directors to put their eyes on to make sure they don't see any numbers that look wonky. Like it's a lot easier for me to check just my kids 
And if they got, you know, one judge gave them a 10 on a scale and another gave them a two, then I can probably say, I think there might be an issue here with scoring. And so once everybody does that, then we let them know. So, I mean, I, I don't think, I feel like it moves, it's not immediate, but I feel like it moves quickly because on this side of it, I know that we are, it's constant motion until they're released. Um, but I think from the kids' standpoint, it's usually towards the middle end of the week that they find out. Gotcha. But it feels, I don't know, it's not immediate, but it, it just, it, it feels like we're just, we're doing. <laughs> yeah. The band directors are working. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we talked a little bit earlier about how your expectations for an honor band are a little bit different than your own band. Could you guys elaborate a little bit more on that? I I don't know that my expectations for the band are different. I don't think they are. It, it's a quicker set of, it's a quicker time parameter. Mm -hmm. um, and it's more immediate. There's no, you know, I think when you're rehearsing your band and you're rehearsing for X number of weeks or something like that, you have a different trajectory of we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And there's a certain amount of like, I know that kids will sit with this and they're going to get it just by living with it a little bit. And it's not in an honor band situation that is like maybe from a 10 a.m. rehearsal to a 2 p.m. rehearsal. It's like, OK, this is how much time we have to let that marinate. Um, but I think in both cases, the music comes first, the musicality, the emotion, like saying something in the piece. Um, I think in an honor band setting, there's just you maybe you arrive at it with a little bit more of a of a of an assumption that the kids are going to be able to technically handle like top to bottom in a section. They're going to technically be further along than maybe top to bottom in my own band at home. So some of that will take care of itself or they'll be like pre-ready for, but um, like behavior expectations are the same. Musical expectations are the same. It's just compressed. I don't know. How would you, I don't think I'm doing a great job of explaining. No, you're what would you say? I mean, you know, to speak to the musicality, I think I'm, my brain's probably working backwards on this. I will, when I'm putting the repertoire together, I'll actually sacrifice grade level to give space to make music happen. Hmm. Like, especially at this point in my lifespan as a teacher, I am so disinterested in higher, faster, louder, but I'm interested very much so in turning a phrase and having a conversation with the kids like, okay, where does this go? How does this develop? Where do you think this heads? What does this mean? What does this mean? So I'm going to pick music going back to that that leaves space and she does the same thing. Uh, but I, and I've said this to Tiffany before, it's like, I, I always feel very stressed out about the first 30 minutes of any honor band rehearsal, because I know that in that first 30 minutes, I've got to figure out who the band is. I've got to figure out how like the ensemble can evolve. And within that minutes, 30 minutes, find that sound like quickly like quickly and build reference points that I can then in the rehearsal go, do you remember the fundamentals when we did this with concert F? We should do this to this note too. Do you remember when we did this articulation? We did da, 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 da. Do you remember when we found this balance and blend or this symmetry? This is what we want here. Like all of that stuff, you got that first 30 minutes to win them over and get what get stuff done or you're toast for the rest of the weekend. And it, it took me far too long to learn that and how to program. Like it took me, because I was very hard-headed, you know, it's an honor band. They could play all this stuff. Well, no, they can't. Like, they could play it, but, like, do they get a musical experience out of it? Hmm. No. Does, do you as the teacher get a musical? 
absolutely not. So it's like you have to leave space for them to be able to sight read it if they have to, then kind of get it like get the technical down, get the technicality down. So there's some sort of artistic musical or musical experience, you know, and again, that 30 minute window, very stressed out, like every time. You got to sell the challenges to them. Like they, if they go in, yeah, if a kid goes in and they're expecting, well, I'm going to play, this is going to be the hardest thing I've ever played, then they're probably going to be disappointed because if every kid played the hardest thing they've ever played, you're not going to be able to get it together in that amount of time. Um, I, I feel like my selling point is always, and I think some kids are, they buy in and in some, it takes a little longer to kind of get them, but it's always, you know, the challenge is creating an ensemble. It's in creating a band. I'm not worried about, I feel like at this point, um, and it's not like I get it all right, but we, and, but, and we, we talk about programs all the time. It's like, I don't ever go into a blind, like, I mean, right. Aris and I are talking almost every program. It's like, all right, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? Like, and we talk through the potential pitfalls and is there enough of this? Is there too much of that? So I feel like the pre-work sets us up for success in that respect. Like I'm, I'm coming in with music they'll be able to access but then to the kids, it's from moment one, the challenge is in creating a band. Like you do this all year at school so that your spring concert is like the culmination of all the ensemble you've worked, work you've done all year. We have like 10 hours of rehearsal to sell it to the audience that we can, we can blend and we can, you know, we can present great balance even on a stage we've never played. And so um, even for a kid that maybe is technically technically really proficient, you're helping them see, okay, the challenge is not in that. This is not an individual challenge in the honor band. This is an ensemble challenge. And it's what we're doing together. Um, and I think presenting it that way and the kids knowing that their challenge is part of the the group challenge. It isn't it isn't just them. I mean, that helps. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, you know, she what she doesn't tell you is that she's very good at, like, reminding the students of that, just like in flow. Like, if you're <laughs> watching her do an honor band, it is a nonstop experience. Like, the first time I ever sat in on one of her summer music camp rehearsals at UNCG, I found myself, like, sitting straighter. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, what is what, why am I sitting up straight? I am not a child in this band, but here I am sitting up straighter. And it's like, like this always constant moving thing. And the kids are getting like immediate. It's like, they, they almost have no choice, <laughs> but to sound good and play musically by the end. And me, but it's like, depending on the age level, I mean, you have to do that to get them to where, you know, they can go. They don't know. They have no clue. Oh, I made honor band, so I'm gonna go do my thing. It's like, no, you're gonna, we're gonna do our thing together. And they have no idea what the what the end game can be, a lot of them, unless they've done honor band before. And of course, different people do it different ways. So it's a totally different experience. Um, but yeah, she's really quite good at let's go. We're gonna make it, we're gonna do this thing, we're doing these things, sit up straight. We're doing these things. Like, Could you fix your posture? We're doing these things. What are you doing? I mean, like just in a loop. It's pretty, it's pretty wow. amazing watched you work a lot i've gleaned a lot from you yeah but you don't get tired when you watch me teach <laughs> i get tired when i watch you teach because it's just kind of like because i'm a lot <laughs> and the kids are like ah! at first they're like let me figure this woman out what is she she wants all these things at once what is going on from the podium like they're just like ah! 
<laughs> and then like by the end of the experience you're like we love mrs hiss can we keep her like they're just that they're in that that headspace it's hilarious i'm just she's saying she's kind she's team she's team <laughs> tiffany you know that i'm not kind yes, you know that Knock i'm not kind. i'm not kind oh issues. my gosh so some districts give out the music in advance and some prefer to, to be a sight reading event um which do you guys prefer I, I personally, I don't know that I have a preference. Um, I think I trust the directors to make the decision that's best for those kids. Mm. And that's exactly what it needs to be in my mind. Um, that I almost feel like that isn't something I get to have an opinion about. Like, I'm just there to help as much as I can and to provide as best experience I am I can for those kids. And that in no way supersedes the experience they're getting from their directors every day. What she said. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I know in our district, we've had uh, quite a few heated discussions about it. You know, some band directors are very hardcore, like it must be sight reading. And some are like, well, we want the kids to play as well as possible. Um, but it brings up this whole idea of, of challenge versus polish. Uh, and, and, and that's, you know, in the honor band setting, there's a lot of different opinions about that, not only from the directors in the district, but also from our guest conductors, you know. Like some conductors come with very easy pieces because they want it to sound perfect, you know, and some come with very challenging pieces because they're like, I don't care if it's a little loose around the edges. These kids have worked really hard to get here. Let's throw a lot of stuff at them and see what happens. I'm somewhere in between. (laughs) Yeah. And I I know that in, and that can be a little bit tricky too, because it giving out the music ahead of time and the assumptions that come with that, it very much matters about student buy-in and director buy-in because I, I know I was in a district where that used to happen and they stopped doing it because a guest conductor is told these kids have had the music for two months or whatever, a month, four weeks, I, I don't know, uh, any amount of time you want to put in there. But you come with certain assumptions that there, there's a certain level of pre-prep that's already done. And so you expect that you'll start from a certain place, but maybe a third of the kids looked at the music and maybe another third looked at it, but we're at an inappropriate tempo and we're sloppy and they've, they've learned it, but they've learned it incorrectly. I mean, there's just, I think it's just whatever, you know, whatever is going to be best, but I think that can be tricky. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and especially after this year with so many virtual ensembles, you know, I, I did audio and video editing for six different honor bands this year. Uh, Cause I'm crazy. Uh, but you know, it's funny about in, in almost every group, regardless of where they were from about, 15 to 20 percent of the recordings were unusable uh and like as in the kids played so poorly that i like i literally couldn't put their audio in the project now i still had their video up there so you can still see them playing but their audio is just so bad i don't mean like the audio quality like they're they're just performing like some of the kids sounded like they were sight reading it honestly um and some of the kids came on their a game and had done their research and practiced it and played with recordings and they submitted things were that were great you know but there was, there was a wide, wide range <laughs> of preparation that the kids put in. And I feel like if they had been in person, they would have been with everybody else. You know, they would have learned it and figured it out and put in the time. But at home, like, you have no guarantee of how much time kids are putting in. Well, and how much time they have to put in. You know, some kids are just so busy nowadays. And um, how much guidance and, they're getting. Because I yeah. think some teachers, you know, have, philosophically or like, well, this is an honor band. You auditioned into it. You made it. You need to do the work. And others are like, let me help you. Um, I'm here to be your teacher. And I, I don't, I don't fall either side to that, but I think it's just, 
everybody's experience is so different, especially this year, as you brought up for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely know directors who they have like after school rehearsals with just their honor band kids yeah. to make sure that they're on point and other directors are very hands off. Yeah. So. All right. Well, what is something that the hosting, uh, the hosting person or the hosting district can do that would make your life much easier as a guest conductor? Share the schedule. <laughs> Share the schedule up front and give me a, an early on high sign if the schedule is going to shift because I'm a planner. So like once you give me the schedule, I'm going to go through the blocks that you've given me and I'm going to make decisions about what I'm going to prioritize, decisions about what pieces rehearsed when, blah, 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 blah. And I like that's how I know I'm going to get all the students from point where we start to point great concert. So when things shift, um, it makes it a lot less easy to take that journey. I'll just put it that way. So please share the schedule. Please let me know if there are major changes to the schedule before the event starts. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Nothing big. So it's, it's very simple. I don't need much. I'll bring my own water. I'll bring my own pencils for the kids. I'll bring extra copies of the music sometimes because I don't trust people. Nonetheless, share the schedule. Okay. Your turn. Well, see, and this is where, <laughs> you know, we talked about this is how our preparation manifests itself differently. And I actually made a little list and I thought about this because this, this can often be the, the thing that takes a, a weekend from being really like you're in it to getting a little stressful and just some things that are not, you know, needed, but can help. Uh, at the, if you're, if somebody is flying in, this is something that has happened for me before. And I think it's absolutely amazing. If you have a guest conductor that is flying in and doesn't have transportation, like having like a little something for them in the hotel is a really nice thing. Like a little basket with some snacks and some water for them to have while they're in the room. That, the first time that happened, I was like, this is like life changing. And now I just think, I mean, it really changed everything because you get back from rehearsal at night and you're prepping and, and all, and you know, you're like, well, I wish I had something to snack on. And you have like just something small like that. I do like to, I bring pencils as well, but I like if the pencils are provided, or at least I like to know, you know, the pencils and name tags, I think name tags are really important. And if there's any literature that's being passed out that doesn't have, I know they're really great now about putting measure numbers, but if measure numbers are missing and someone can take time or make sure the kids have that or whatever, have those measure numbers, it really makes rehearsal go a lot smoother. So I need, those are a couple of things that are really great. Um, I think having conversations ahead of time about part assignments, not making assumptions about that. If there are 24 clarinet parts and there are 24 clarinet players and there's two parts, I don't want 12 and 12. If there's three, I don't want eight, eight and eight. Um, and just having those conversations so that the, it, it, I think it helps the guest conductor. They, maybe they want 12 and 12, maybe somebody else does. I just know I don't. And I think the, the pre-work on that helps me get the sound I'm hoping to get sooner, which I think just makes it a better experience for everyone. 
because then I'm not fighting. If I want to hear it a little, a little darker, a little lower, I'm not fighting some things that are set up in place that would make it a little more difficult to achieve that. Uh, percussion is a big thing for me. Now, Aris is a percussionist. Um, and I've learned a lot about like how I manage percussion from her, but the percussion piece in a in a, an honor band setting, I feel like it is it always ends up being the biggest the biggest thing. Um, making sure that we have all of the all of the auxiliary percussion instruments, or letting me know that you're not going to like if I'm driving and there are three bands at a site and typically the middle school band, if there aren't enough instruments, the middle school band's the one that's not getting it. I don't mind bringing a tambourine, but let or me know. Yeah, or a lion's roar, exactly. Like, <laughs> but let me know so I can bring it because we're all, I mean, at the heart of it, we're all teachers and we just, but I don't, I don't want to feel badly about rehearsing in my mind. If the best thing for the ensemble is this rehearsal structure and timing, but this kid's back there without a tambourine. And if I could wait 45 minutes, but then I, it's kind of throws off the pacing that I have in mind. I think those things are really helpful. Having somebody that is going to help with percussion part assignments, because that's something that you can't tell by score in some districts, it's you audition and you make it percussion and some you're a snare player and you're a mallet player and you're a timpani player and that factors in. And if you don't have that information, then you're not gonna make part assignments as a guest conductor that are gonna be best for those kids. Um, but ha also having that conversation like uh, about what you want double. There are a lot of times, and I now have a list that I kind of go through, but they would assume, oh, well, well, we'll put two snare drummers here. But personally, I never want two snare drummers. I want you to put 17 kids on mallets before you give me two snare drummers. But you know, if, if that conversation isn't started, then I think rehearsal starts and all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, this and this and this, and we can pre-sort those things. I think if there's a teacher available that can be a percussion manager, it can be a lifesaver. Somebody that's back there, you know, we talked about instrumentation that kids maybe haven't experienced before. Perhaps an honor band setting is the first time this percussionist, because maybe they're the absolute best kid at a school and based on the, the teacher's philosophy of part assignments, maybe they only ever play snare, I don't know. Maybe this is the first time that they're gonna play triangle. Having somebody back there, just helping them access that and have the confidence to know that they're holding it correctly um, giving them like that little mini lesson. I think that really can add a lot to a student's experience. Um, so I think those are just some things that can really help. Um, yeah, being in the room. I love it when I think some people, I, I feel like I try to preemptively as I'm setting up, say that to people, but I I love it. First of all, I love it if other directors are in the in the room because my philosophy has always been my my rule. You can be in here like anytime at school, but if you're going to be in here, you just have to help. So I like I'm like more ears, you know. Then I it's somebody to sound have a sounding board and during the break of like, are you hearing this is working okay? Or you know, if you're struggling and you're thinking this piece, I'm on the fence about like getting another another person's opinion, another valued, trusted set of ears, or if they notice that there's you know, a trombone player who keeps playing E natural instead of E flat, or actually it's probably the other problem, right? Keeps playing E flat instead of E natural, but you know, they can grab a pencil and just mark it for a kid. Um, because again, 
it's all about the, the experience for the kids and anything that we can do. And so I love for people to be around to be able to collaborate and to get to know better and like to learn a little bit more about where, where I'm at and, and what they value and, and what's been happening. And I, it's just cool. You, you, you make those connections that way too. I feel like that was a lot, but it's not that those, I, but I don't feel like any of those are really particularly big things. They're just, you know, I feel like they're just a few small things that help make it really smooth. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the the percussion piece, especially because that's often often my job uh, being a percussionist. And I know there's been times where um, we've had guest conductors who want to program a very lengthy ballad type uh, ballad type piece. So we'll say, all right, well let's let's take the percussionist out and we're going to do a sectional in another room, and we can work on other stuff, you know? Yes. And that just keeps things well, having, having that uh, available to anybody. Um, I guess it was it was the district band before pandemic, um, and I we were doing bonsai tree by Julie Drew, and there's a big flute part. We were having problem with intonation, and a band director walked up and said, "Could I take them for a few minutes and just help kind of get them lined up?" And it was what they were able to do while we were being able to do something else in the room. I mean, it's, it's, it should be collaborative. It, uh, you know, it shouldn't be your, I feel like in, when you get to guest conduct, it's like, well, Ara said earlier, it's an honor, but you're in such an incredible, it is an honor. It's like, it's a great blessing to have the opportunity to do that with kids, but you don't really get any of the credit. Like you shouldn't, like, I don't mean that in a bad way. Like you shouldn't get any of the credit for it. You're not the one, like you're working hard for like a day and a half, but like, it's not you. It's like, it is a team effort. And when other directors are part of that, it's just that much more magical. Well, I'm really glad you mentioned that. Cause I feel like a lot of times directors don't want to feel like they're stepping on the toes of the guest conductor. So they don't want to they don't want to offer help unless it's asked of them because they're like, oh, I don't know if they'll get offended. Um, so it's just really refreshing to hear about the collaborative nature of it. Well, then for people who who feel that, you know, Aris and I both feel that we want it to be so collaborative. Do you have thoughts of like, how is how would that best be communicated? <laughs> how would you know? You know, you know what I yeah. mean? When you're in that teacher standpoint, like, what are you looking for from a guest conductor to know? if they would welcome that or not. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of times there's a, a director or several directors that have a personal connection with the guests coming in. Um, so I think it'd be really great for them to take that initiative to say, Hey, what are your expectations as far as help sectionals, that sort of thing? Yeah. Absolutely. That's great. Have either one of you had, um, you don't have to name names obviously, but have either one of you had any bad experiences guests conducting a group? I don't think you can go through the process of, of this and not have some bad when you have so much good to be honest like there's been some really like stellar rewarding experiences and then there have been some experience where it's like oh god and to be blunt about it shocking i know it's like i the bad experiences tend to be connected to when i either didn't get a rep list or the rep list was not explained well you know what i mean like it's kind of oh we had all this in the folder and we played it and well uh, the kids didn't have the best experience so it's just kind of like so much of it 
like attaches to the repertoire or attaches to the, the literature. It's like bad programming, not so good experience. Yeah. Like it's so interconnected. So that's mm-hmm. like, oh, so we're here now and the kids can't play this. And do we have access to a library? Because I can tell you now that I know for sure exactly what to go get, which I wish you'd told me in the first place, and I would just put that in the folder, right? There's a vast difference between Images of Ireland and Moscow 1941. If you told me the right thing, you would have gotten Images of Ireland in this folder and not the word on the struggle bus driving through the battle scene, adding to the scenery. Like this, I mean, like it just, that's so frustrating. You could tell I'm still kind of like, <laughs> yeah, about it. It's just kind of like, come on, man. Come on, y'all. Just tell me, be, be honest about the ability level I'm, I'm stepping into the zone with. And I will, it's fine. We're still going to make music out of it. Even if it's my images of Ireland, we're going to make it musical because we can't, because we have the facility to do it. Moscow is just enough above the facility level sometimes. It's just not. Uh. Hmm. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> for, I, well, I, I mean, my my thought is literature as well. But for me, it's, it, it's not even just not getting that feedback. It's when I picked a piece of music that a lot of the kids have played. And my, my teaching stance is we go slow to go fast. And when I picked a certain piece and a large number of the students had just performed it at assessment and they were performance ready and a large number of the students had never played it. And it was that, it was that, that grounding piece that I had built the whole program around. And it was a struggle. And the kids who had played it were like, that's what we don't mind. We love it. We love it. We want to do it. And so I went against my gut and did it because I was like, well, if I take this piece out, then I don't have this key and this, you know, you kind of look for that balance and program, but then rehearsing it was really problematic because it's a personal thing, but then I was carrying around a little bit of, of guilt that I just felt like, well, these kids are, they're spending all this time on a piece they already played and they, I was getting a lot of pushback because they could play it up to tempo, but then I was dealing with the struggle of, they might've been playing it up to tempo, but they still weren't playing it the way I wanted them to play. And so then you're navigating a whole nother set of things. And it just, when I feel like is a, when you're guest conducting, if you get off your game a little bit, it's really hard because you're trying to be there in every moment for them. And in the back of my mind, the whole time I'm going, should I have dropped this piece? Oh no. And now we're too far in and oh my gosh. And I just feel like that conversation could have alleviated all of it because there were, yeah. you know, there are other brilliant pieces that could have fit that spot. That was, that was not a fun phone call. I was yeah. a little stressed because I mean, because again, this could be the only, I, I think we go into it thinking this could be the only honor band this kid is ever going to be in. This could be their only experience. This could help their teachers recruitment for next year. This could help this student, like this could be a turning point in the student and maybe they're gonna be a teacher. Like there's just a lot that you think about and and I feel like you hold yourself to really high standards. So when you don't feel like you're meeting that as a guest conductor, it it's, you know, it's hard because it is meaningful. And you know that people have trusted you. Like that's that honor part, the fact that 
the fact that I never take for granted the fact that any teacher would ask me to do something with their students. I mean, that's, it's significant. Like that, it doesn't make me a better teacher than anyone else. Like it doesn't, it, it doesn't feel that way. It just feels like this extra level of trust that someone be, would, would trust that I'm not gonna lead their kids astray, that I'm gonna build on the skills that they're doing and help them have fun. Well, on the flip side of that, do you have an experience that you think would be your best or favorite experience thus far? Lots of those. <laughs> like last year, um, I won't say where I was, was a fantastic, I had a fantastic experience because the, the repertoire choices were challenging because I knew where I was going and I know that place. So I, a couple pieces, I'm like, I'm just going to put this in here because it can happen. I think it can happen. And it's just kind of like, you know, that was, oh, geez, what was that? That was like Polly Oliver, the Tyler Grant Solace in the Equinox. Uh, it was uh, March of the Belgian Paratroopers. This is a high school band. <laughs> I should say that as well as a 910 band. Uh, JS Jig was the closer. And then there was another substantial piece in there, but that had a lot of the qualities that Tiff was talking about. I had a percussion person in the back who was incredible. And that was on top of those percussionists just themselves being that way. Like they were ridiculous. Um, and then each section had depth to it. And like another thing I think that people underestimate is the fact that when you go in, you do an honor band, you, while you're doing the fundamental thing, like my first half hour, I'm trying to get them to sound a particular way like play together in a particular way and also respond to me moving and conducting in a particular way. And this group did a really good job, like corral number one from Foundations for Superior Performance tells all in these situations, like all the things, you know, and I'll go from one point to the other and even by the end make them start themselves. If they're doing well with it, I'll make the band start itself, which they were able to do. And I'm like, this is going to be fun. And they were able to very much respond to things that then I could just go back and go, can we mark this and reinforce it? Can we do? And that, that entire ball of wax was like, okay, this is like way more fun than one person should be having with a nine ten band. <laughs> I mean, they were, when Tyler came out and talked to them because he was in that area and it was just a phenomenal experience. So it's kind of fun to be able to reflect back to that after what we've all been through, like X number of months, a year plus later, but, you know, there's some other experiences that I've had that have been similar to that, you know, and it just, you've traveled the world now, guest conducting, right? I mean, I think the people you meet, I think you always go into it knowing you're going to learn from the students. There's always that give and take, but when teachers are, I, I, I feel like sometimes I feel like the new kid, when I show up to, to guest conduct, because maybe I know one person or two people, or maybe I don't know anyone. And I just happened like word of mouth got the, the opportunity. And so you kind of feel like the new kids. So when people reach out to you and other teachers and you get to know them and you get to learn from them. And like I said, when it becomes collaborative with them, I think then, 
you, I already know I'm going to learn from the kids, but then when I make those relationships and get to learn from those teachers and get to know more about where I am, I think that makes it extra special. Um, but I, I, as I was sitting listening to you, I thought of one thing and, and I, I called Aris right after this happened. I, it was a, in Maine two or three summers ago. And um, I was doing a camp two summers ago. I was doing a camp and I had the opportunity, like one of the, the nights, the Bangor band um, was playing a concert and they asked me if I would like to guest conduct. And I did. And there was a student, a high school student in the band, a Barry Sachs player who came up to me and she happened to be a female. And she came up to me afterwards with um, a friend and she was just like bursting. And she said, you are doing exactly what I want to do. I want to be a band director. I want to conduct. You are doing exactly. And, and this is just, you know, I take for granted where, where I am in Virginia and like the people around me, she said, I've never played with a female conductor until tonight. And this, you tonight made me think I can actually do this. And that will be really memorable because I did, the specialness of that was I did nothing other than just do what I was doing. But it, it it's just a reminder that it matters, you know, when people see people who look like them doing things and succeeding and, you know, it, it impacts that I felt I felt like I did something important that night and I didn't, yeah. I didn't, I waved my hands. Right. But <laughs> well, there's an example of something that I really want to be a whole nother episode at some point, which is representation in the band's community. Um, I know our district here in district five, we are 50, 50 male, female, for example. And yeah. I'm learning that that is not the case in a lot of places, but this is all I know. So it's like, I've just always had that here. And in some places it's very much a boys club, uh, particularly, mm -hmm. particularly high school. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of topics like that. I'd really love to get into perhaps on a future episode. All right. Well, um, I do have uh, three questions. I ask everybody who comes on the show. Um, so before I get to those, if you think of, of, is there anything that you think we've missed or that you would like to throw out there or mention? Not that I'm thinking of off the top of my head. You're the one with the I, Well, I, I mean, we pretty much got what was on my list. Um, we did, we did. I know she just teases me about this, but you know, I do not tease you a little bit. No. I deserve it. I mean, I walk <laughs> right into it. No, the only thing on my list that we didn't cover was that um, I think now that people are using Google so much, Google Drive, Google Docs, I think having everything housed in one place, um, all the the schedules you know, here's where to submit your literature. I think that that just makes life a little bit easier. I can't, I cannot say the number of times where I've had to like look through my emails to try to find things, um, which I, and I was just going to say, which Aris has been talking to me all week while I've been visiting about how I need to use folders better. So perhaps this is a Tiffany issue. And instead of a Google drive, I just need to use, she's going to show me a folder right now. Boom. <laughs> really right now charlie she's showing me folders um but that's like the only thing i mean i think i think one of the things that is important we we probably showed today is that it's good to have people to talk to about this it's good to talk to people who have experienced guest conducting have guest conducted where you're going 
Um, it's important to have the teacher's input. It's just that making it as collaborative as you can. Um, it's just, it's better for everybody. Well, it's like those situations where I'll send her a rep list or she'll send me a rep list and we'll look at it and it's like, there's something missing or one of us will go, why this piece instead of this piece? And it's like, because I forgot about that piece. Thank yeah. you very much. I'm going to sub that in now. I appreciate you for that. I mean, it's like. And we have lists of our favorite. We have lists of our favorite pieces collectively. And in that, it's also favorite guest conducting pieces because certain pieces work. They're great for in school, but they they work well in those situations because, you know, you you got to have literature that gives the trombone something cool to do. Or they will do something. Right. Cool. <laughs> I mean, you can't take that, you know, you've got to have pieces that kind of cover everything for everybody. So this is a one day, six hour honor band with a concert. Here are your pieces. Like, yes, yeah. we, we sometimes do that. And it's like, yeah. Oh God. Okay. So you can't. But helping us notice that we've done that before where it's like, okay, but if you're going to do both of these pieces, there's not a lot of variety in percussion. How many percussions do you have? You know, those mm -hmm. types of things. And I think having those conversations, um, it's not, see, now I'm going to get a little soapboxy, but only because here's why I want to say it. Here's why I think it's important. Um, this is not a this is not a competitive market. <laughs> um, this is, I, I mean, it isn't, no, but you're laughing, but it's because no, we have I'm this conversation. Your predictability. That's well, what I'm laughing at. <laughs> I'm predictable. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong in asking for help. I don't think there's anything, um, there's anything bad in offering help. Like, I think that's what should happen. And We've had this conversation many times. Like we met at UNCG teaching camp together. Do you want to know why we're friends and able to do this right now? I will tell you why. It's 2011 at UNCG summer music camp. And in 2010, I had done a Brian Balmage's piece, Rhythm and Riffs. In 2011, she's doing that piece. And she's looking at me like, I was struggling. And like, we just met. Like we met in twenty in two thousand nine. I didn't really remember her. We didn't work together in two thousand ten. We're back the same weekend in, in two thousand eleven, and she's like, mm, "This is Chalorando to the end. So much does not work for me. What did you do?" I'm like, well, "I did this," and she's like, "Oh, I will try that." <laughs> okay, that worked. Why did that work? And I'm like. It just works. And she's like, no, 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 no. Why did that work? I need answers. And I'm just like, I don't know. I tried it in rehearsal and it worked. So I went with it. Like, it's like, it was an on the spot decision, but I had to figure out an answer for her. Cause she was, see the look right there, same face. She was <laughs> not going away. It's like these moments. It's like, though, that's where the magical things happen. That's where you learn and you move forward. And yes. like, you're working with your colleagues. And that's when you get better. And, you know, the whole honor band situation is, is like just rife with opportunities for everybody involved, the kids, the directors, the clinician to just get better. Yes. You know, like she said earlier, I learned something every, okay, another point, sorry. In life, you can learn what to do and what you will never do. Some people don't get that. You're not always learning something that's going to work for you. You're going to learn something that will not work for you. 
And in every single honor band setting I've been in, I have experienced a lot of each thing. And it's no commentary on the directors. It's just kind of like, yeah, that won't, won't work for me or work for my setting. But these 17 things that I just observed happen, I will be stealing and reappropriating for my own purposes. I mean, yeah. it's it seems so simple, but it's really, I think people get so wrapped up in being, well, I did this honor band better than you, or you're going to have to work hard to like outdistance me to do this honor band. It's just kind of like, that is not what it's about. Or being worried <laughs> that if you're asked to do an honor band, that people are assuming more than you are superhumanly possible possibly able to do she says um, that she walks in the honor band spaces no. with a cape on like like super so <laughs> like come on stop it just stop stop but i asked for help and i want help and that's you know we had we spent there was like a stretch where it was kind of like we were alternating years in districts nope but it's true and it, I, I think it would have been really easy. And maybe it's just that we were lucky that our relationship was set up from a point of like, she didn't care if I was the one that I, you get that honor of your get to be the one that conducts yeah. them. But it, it didn't mean she was going to withhold her advice mm -hmm. and her suggestions because she wasn't going to get credit, you know, it's, which is kind of a crazy thing. And so in, in the path that we have both taken in certain opportunities, it would be really easy to get in your head. It'd be real. I mean, she's like, she's superwoman. I, I'm just going to, I mean, if you know, you know, and if you don't, you will know. Um, and, but it would be really easy for me to, well, it's like Linda Gammon is like, she's one of my like most treasured mentors. It would be really easy if one of them is guest conducting somewhere and if I have the the incredible opportunity to be the next year, it'd be really easy to get in my head and go, well, I can't possibly follow Aris. What are there? I won't measure up. There's no way. No, because in truth, I'm going to bring, I might not bring everything she's going to bring, but I shouldn't because I'm not her. And I might bring something extra that she wouldn't because I'm me. No, you'll bring and something extra. Shut it. <laughs> um, but it's it's kind of owning, owning that you-ness and it's, the imperfections and all and not going in there like arrogance can get in your way not have like I don't have arrogance about the fact that I get to guest conduct it's like it's honorable it's not arrogance and like I want people they're helping and I want to ask her about my literature and I have been able to get out of my own way and like self-sabotaging because yes i I will not measure up to Linda and Aris, and that's okay because I'm me, right? I mean, but I think that's something that is important to remember, that no one expects you to be perfect, you know? They just expect you to be you and bring your gifts. Why are you looking at me so crazily? <laughs> no, I think, I think it's really great that you bring that up because me, as, like, as a director who's bringing somebody in to our district to conduct our kids, the thing I care about the most is that the kids are going to have a good time, like that they're going to have a valuable musical experience and that they're going to want to do it next year. Yes. Mm -hmm. I, I don't really care what great music the band is playing, you know, that I don't care who was better than who or whatever. I just want the kids to walk out having a valuable experience. And that's the only thing that's important to me. Nothing is more frustrating as a middle or high school band director than to take your kids to 
and I used to run the all district band down in North Carolina. So I would always get the, the, the face full of what didn't work in a setting. I'm like, yeah, I know. Thank you. But like those moments where you're like watching things go down in a rehearsal and you're like, oh no, oh good, okay. Like, and it's either a function of how the, like the clinician might be typically again, a function of the repertoire, like, like, cause our, in central North, North Carolina at the time I was working, especially like the, the, the top middle school band like played grade four music. Like you could give them the grade five if you chose well, which a lot of people did. But it was just, it was always those first moments is like, okay, great, we're good. Okay, great, all right. Okay, we need to go to so-and-so's library and pick like, <laughs> like, like excess, you know, so it just, it's, it is, it is such a rewarding thing for all, but it is one of the most difficult and precarious things we do. Because, you know, we're choosing to give our children to someone, sometimes that we don't even know, we just know them by name and reputation. You know, I will not get started on the thing I just thought on my head. I'm going to let that go. But it's like, we just have to be, it just, it's really a precarious situation because it's, for me, that, that got me to where I am being in middle school, high school honor band. I know that's one of the reasons I'm sitting here today, because I had everybody from Bill Malambri, who's down in, in North Carolina to James Croft, who used to be at Florida state, like this whole like gamut of conductors who added on to my school band experience. I mean, I would not be sitting here unless, you know, Kevin Satatal, watching him rehearse the 11-12 band in the state of North Carolina for all states, another thing that got me to this place. It's like, oh, I don't know about this man. I need to learn more about this man. I like how he does this. And it's, you just never know what's going to click for who and when in those settings. So we have to, we, yeah, we'll stop. <laughs> all right. Well, that brings us to our final three questions then. Um, so question number one, uh, do you have a mentor shout out? Oh, I have to shout out to like always to Jim Heil, Dr. James Heil, Dr. Nancy Whitaker, who are over in Illinois. They were my collegiate teachers at UNC Chapel Hill. Phenomenal human beings, phenomenal educators who are still like, we will see Dr. Whitaker and Dr. Heil tomorrow because we're going to head from here to Chicago. Just phenomenal. And I can't leave out my current, current as I call him, teacher boss, Kevin Setatal, who much like this person who I'm in this podcast with is one of the people in life that will just go, why are you doing that? Why would you ever do that that way when you could do it this way? Because you can do that. You know, me immediately uncomfortable, like, but like that's, these are the people that have kind of been the bumpers, like the bowling alley bumpers that keep the ball in the lane. They, they've helped me get from where they found me, like to where I am by guiding my work and guiding you know, or at least like kind of underpinning like my decision-making process with the, why, why are we here? Why are we doing this? You know, so I feel really fortunate to have them still as a part of my life. And, you know, I show up to work here, hopefully in the fall, five days a week here at the office. And like, I can go and go that way and sit in Dr. Sedtal's office and go, okay, what is the deal with this thing? So those are mine. I like the way she put that about the bowling alley and keeping everything <laughs> in. Because she knows I can go off the rails in a hot no. second. Oh. Um, I, I would have to say, I mean, I think a turning point for me was getting to study with Terry Austin at VCU. 
um, he is more than a mentor to me. I mean, he's like, he's family. Um, and he, the, I, I've been talking about, I'm, I think this summer I'm going to need to make it happen. I need to sit down and have a conversation with him and talk about the opportunities that he gave me. And he went so far above and beyond for me um, to help me grow and to give me experiences. And I always say that VC was really great because it was a place where if you wanted an experience, someone was going to create it for you, which was really great. But I just, so far above and beyond, like he has changed the fabric of my being um, in just all the best ways. Um, I was fortunate when I started, I've had like a few spots in my career, but when I say when I first started really teaching middle school, um, I had been teaching elementary band in Fairfax and then had the opportunity to be part-time elementary and part-time middle school. And I got to work with Judy Ines, um, who is amazing. And I actually knew her when I was growing up. She was one of the, she started teaching junior high when I was in junior high at my junior high. So I, in high school, I knew her and she knew me as a student. And then I got to be her assistant and she taught me everything. I feel like everything that I know, you know, about how to how to run a class. And uh, I had wanted to teach middle school before then. And I, I now look back and, and think it happens when it happens, you know, be patient because I would never have been ready in the same way that I was ready after having those five years with her. And tangentially, like at the same, I guess maybe not tangentially, but concurrently, Linda Gannon, who Judy always says, she taught me everything I know, which is, you know, um, but we, Judy actually, uh, Linda had, Judy had been Linda's assistant and then Linda left. And so then I came in. So it was kind of like the three successions and we used to um, write emails to Linda and it was always like, what would Linda do? We'd have a question and like, how would you fix this? Um, and she has just been, she's been everything. Um, and this one right here, Aris, um, she has done more to propel my thinking forward and to grow me and our conversations and just getting, I think growing me, but also knowing who I am. Um, it's just been really tremendous. Those are my shout outs. All right, question number two, do you have a favorite middle school band piece? Cyclone, no. <laughs> you can say Cyclone, I'll say something No, else. I'm not gonna say Cyclone, I was gonna go Well then I'll this. say Cyclone, no. I. We're gonna argue over it. No, go. I, uh, I, Moscow 1941 is like a really special piece to me. Um, Brian Balmages, but I tend to, I tend to gravitate to his music. I think he's just really wonderful. Um, and that is a piece that was, for me, it's, it's more a, a memory of like, that was the first time that I had experienced a piece like that with middle school students and so it, it carries a lot of great memories but it i mean it stands time it's still a great a really great piece i have many favorites and this this may actually surprise her uh but like i always creed is one of them but it's not creed morton ghoul's mini suite hmm. it does surprise me is like I, I have circle. I keep I. There's several pieces that have circled back through, throughout my career, but that is one, and it's so. I just feel like that is one of the most underappreciated pieces for middle school, junior high school band, ever. And I think it's for several reasons. I think it's because it's multi movement, that's off putting to people, 
And I think that last movement, the bell carol, where there's all the syncopation that's off the beat, I think people are kind of like, no, 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 we're, we're not, we're not doing that. But I just love that piece. I mean, how can you not love a piece that start, starts with happy birthday march? Like, starts with happy birthday march. You know, it's so cool. And I, you know, it's, again, it's one of, I have others that I circle back to, but that one, I just, I just love that piece. All right. And question number three, present company is excluded from this, by the way, Aww. is uh, name a band director who's crushing it right now. Brian Myers at Green Level High School in Morrisville, North Carolina. Matt Baker, Cooper Middle School, Fairfax, Virginia. Thank you both so much for coming on the show today. I've taken up enough of your time, I think. This has been very fun for me, and I hope that our audience uh, just really enjoys the interview. Thank you so much. Thanks Charlie. for having us. Thanks for joining us on the Flying Baton. Remember, may your tone be dark and your humor light.